Well, welcome again to Sunday Sermons with Jerry Webb. I am so happy to be here with you today. We're talking today about one of the parables of the New Testament. It's Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. It's about a landowner who left on a trip and gave custody and responsibility of, of his treasures to three other people. When he came back, he asked for an account. Uh, one was well-pleased, one was okay. One was not a pleasing result at all. Uh, join us as we talk about responsibilities in ministry and what it is we're to do with these wonderful gifts God's given to us. Scripture reading today for my message comes from Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse 14. I'm going to read it today from The Voice, paraphrase, so it'll be different than what you might open up to. This is how it will be. It will be like a landowner who is going on a trip. He instructed his slaves about caring for his property. He gave five talents to one slave, two to the next, and one talent to the last slave, each according to his ability. Then the man left. Promptly, the man who had been given five talents went out and bartered and sold and turned his five talents into ten. And the one who had received two talents went to the market and turned his two into four. And the slave who had received just one talent, he dug a hole in the ground. And he buried his master's money there. Eventually, the master came back from his travels found his slaves, and settled up with them. The slave who had been given five talents came forward and told his master how he'd turned them into ten. Then he handed the whole lot over to his master. Excellent. You've proved yourself not only clever, but loyal. You've executed a rather small task masterfully. So now I'm going to put you in charge of something larger. But before you go back to work, come join my feast and celebrate. Then the slave who had been given two talents came forward and told his master how he'd turned two into four. And he handed all four talents to his master. Excellent. You've proved yourself not only clever, but loyal. You've executed a rather small task masterfully. So now I'm going to put you in charge of something larger. But before you go back to work, come join my great feast and celebration. Finally, the man who had been given one talent came forward. Master, I know you are a hard man. Difficult in every way. You can make a healthy sum when others would fail. You profit when other people are doing the work. You grow rich on the back of others. So I was afraid, dug a hole, and hid the talent in the ground. Here it is. You can have it. The master was furious. You're a pathetic excuse for a servant. You have disproved my trust in you and squandered my generosity. 
you know I always make a profit. You could have at least put this talent in the bank, then I could have earned a little interest on it. Take that one talent away and give it to the servant who doubled my money from five to ten. You see, everything was taken away from the man who had nothing, but the man who had something got even more. And as for the slave who made no profit but buried his talent in the ground, his master ordered his slaves to tie him up and throw him outside into utter darkness where there is miserable mourning and great fear. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I love Wayne Cordero's description of God's plan for us. Wayne's one of my favorite pastors and speakers. He spent the vast majority of his life and work in, uh, in Hawaii. Life's hard. But he talks about God's plan for us. And he uses this simple illustration to describe it. He, he reminds us that the earth is traveling more than 60,000 miles per hour. That's something we can't even conceive. But time flies. It flies. The psalmist describes life as a breath. James likens life to a vapor that is here today and gone tomorrow. Life flashes before our eyes. With a few more spins of the earth, we'll be in eternity. Just a few more spins. Jesus paid, though, for our eternal life. And so those spins that, that will move us there are not something we dread, hopefully. Because if we're followers of Jesus, we, we have a great promise that, that we'll be with him forever. But how long is eternity? How long is that? Imagine that you took a cable tied it to an arrow, launched it far off into the distance. It moved out of your eyesight over the horizon so that you could no longer see the arrow or the end of that piece of cable. And then once it appeared to have landed, but though you didn't see it land, the cable stopped playing out. You took the other end of the cable you tied it to an arrow, and you shot it the other direction, and it traveled and traveled and traveled beyond your eyesight across the edge of the horizon where you could no longer see it anymore. And now imagine that cable passing through this room. And in this room, to draw contrast to the brevity of our life, we take this ballpoint pen, and it's, it's a wide point, not a fine point, and you draw a scratch on that cable. That scratch would be about a 32nd of an inch, maybe. That kind of gives us an insight into what our life is like. <laughs> In the measure of eternity, it's 
just a scratch. Just a scratch. But then as Wayne develops this this description of, of eternity and life, he says something really interesting. He says, most people not only live for that scratch, but they also love that scratch. They kiss the scratch. They save for that scratch. They hoard for that scratch. They live scratch lives, have scratch businesses, and have scratch families with scratch hopes and scratch dreams. But God so loved the scratch that he gave his only son that we might have eternal life. He died for all of us who live in that scratch, wherever it is on that long cable. Why did God do that? Well, it, it was for eternity. He, he could take us as soon as we received Jesus Christ as our Savior. He could take us and we would experience eternity, but he doesn't do that. You see, heaven's not the only reason he saves us. He placed a message in our hearts, and it's a message of good news. It's a message about eternal life and abundant life, and he puts us on the scratch for a few more spins, but now we have a purpose. Our scratch lives have a purpose. Until he takes us home, we have a message to deliver. In heaven, we'll see so many wonderful things. There will be so many joyous, happy occurrences. But we will never see another non-Christian when we're in heaven. That's why life on this scratch is so important. We have a message to deliver. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and he reminded them of the church's duty. He said, equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Equip the saints for the work of ministry. But who are the saints? (coughs) Who are they? Is that Teresa, the apostles? No, not really. Well, yes, it is them, but it's not just them. See, who are the saints? We are. All of us. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, we're among the number of people that are called saints. Set-apart ones. And Paul says, equip the saints for the work of ministry. It's not just equip a few. Equip the missionary, equip the pastor, equip the Bible college teacher. It's equip the saints. All of us. But yet in our little era of this scratch, 
where we live, we've created this mindset of consumerism. And the idea that uh, we're here to take from God, we're here to consume what Christianity has to offer for us, we're here to receive blessings from the church, but that consumer mindset is all about what we get. And it forgets that we don't get anything unless the saints give. Unless we share what we have, unless we share that message that we have to deliver. Cordero said, as he wrapped up his little story, he said, the ministry of the church is not the responsibility of a few professionals. It is the divine responsibility of every one of us. Every one of us. But we mix things up. We mix up what provision is and what source is. We mix up who's provider and who's receiver. And the truth is that if we really understand the teachings of Jesus and, and the, the teachings of his first followers, then we understand that we're all saints when we come to Christ and we are called, all of us, to take this message of hope that we've been given and we deliver it until Jesus takes us home. All of us. It's our responsibility. And so if, if you're a teacher, you're a minister disguised as a teacher. If you work in the automotive industry, you're not just an automotive industry worker, employee. You're a minister disguised as an automotive industry employee. If you're a business owner, you're not just a business owner. You're a minister disguised as a business owner. If you're a child care worker, you're not just here to take care of kids and get paid. You're a minister called to serve those children disguised as a child care worker. We've been given talents, blessings. I like to call them grace gifts. Grace gifts from God that, that he places into us and that we're to use those gifts that he's entrusted to us and to share them with the world. When we read this parable, you know, Jesus is including this in a series of parables that he taught about what happens at the end of this age, what happens at the end of this life, what happens when he returns again. And this is one of those parables. And he says, one of the things that's going to happen is I'm going to return, and when I come back, we're going to have a little accountability session. And I want to see what you've done with the grace gifts I've given you. Have you invested them and multiplied them? Or did you bury it? And we're all going to stand before God. And he's going to ask us about that. I don't know about you, but I want to have the right answer. <laughs> I want to have an answer that pleases him. 
Not an answer that makes him furious as the one slave in the parable. So our offering of our our talents, our grace gifts to God, this parable reminds us that all of us and all that we have is his. It's not ours. God has loaned these grace gifts to us. He's loaned life to us. Gordon MacDonald wrote, one of the greatest missing teachings in the American church today is the reminder that men and women, the reminder to men and women, that nothing we have belongs to us. Nothing. Nothing you have ultimately really belongs to you. It's on loan. It's on loan until either it wears out if it's a tangible item, or it's on loan until you're not here to use it anymore, or uh, hopefully not this one. It's on loan until your health just no longer permits you to use that grace gift anymore. But everything we have is on loan. Everything. We're all given these talents, these great gifts, grace gifts, but not in equal amounts. The one slave got five, one got two, one got one. I don't know how the master determines that. We, we live in a time when we think everything has to be fair and equal. Well, apparently not in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, our king, Lord Jesus, might decide that, that some of us get six of these grace gifts, one of us two, one of us ten, one of us three. It's up to him. And because it's up to him, we don't have to be jealous or concerned. I know people that have far better gifts to speak to a group of people than I do. I'm not upset by that. I have the gift God gave me, and it's my job to develop it to its fullest potential. And I'm still working on that. I still want to get better. I still want to use this gift better. But I'm not jealous of the one that that has a, a better ability than me. I'm just motivated to say, hey, if she can do it, I can do it. Let's get better. I'm not upset if, if someone else has a bigger bank account than I have, although I do have to pray about my envy sometimes. God decides. He decides where those talents are going to go. All I need to do is take care of my time on this scratch and use them to their maximum. Because if we learn anything from this little parable, we will learn this. We learn that just maintaining our talents is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. The owner expects increase. The servants make choices about how to manage their talents, but the master expects increase. You know, as I was thinking about that, I thought about an answer I don't want to give him. 
when, when he asks me how I've used my grace gifts, my talents, I, I don't want to look at him and say, oh, Jesus, thank you for those gifts. I used them real well for the first 40 years that I had them, but then I retired. I don't think that's going to be an acceptable answer to him. He wants them to keep growing, keep being used. Now, I, I may use those gifts differently in this last stage of my life than I did in the first stage of my life. But, but they have to keep growing, have to keep being used. We, we will be held accountable for how we have managed our talents. We're going to stand before Jesus, and we're going to give an account. Stan Toller was a longtime Nazarene pastor. Eventually became what uh, the church in the Nazarene calls their general superintendent. That means he was over all of the Nazarene churches in North America. He's in heaven now. But, but he said, God has already lent us the raw material of life. Time, health, family and friends, intelligence, skills, possessions. We're to act responsibly in managing that loan. This is called being a steward of his resources. It's stewardship. And so when the master came back to those he had entrusted with their bag of talents, he was asking them, how well did you exercise your stewardship over what I gave you? Did you cause it to increase to its maximum? In other words, when he gives us these gifts, there's a trust given to us. There's a trust placed upon us. It's the trust that Jesus says, I I'm giving you this. And I'm trusting you're going to use it for the purposes I have in mind. And so let's take a little inventory this morning. I want to begin that inventory reading a, a familiar passage from the Psalms. It's Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. And, and it's, it's on the screen, and this is from the message. It says, investigate my life, O God. Investigate my life, O oh God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. So let's do a little inventory today, a personal one. You don't need to hold up your hands. You don't need to check mark on a piece of paper. You don't need to let your neighbor know how you've answered. This is between you and the Lord. But here's a little personal inventory. One, for ourselves, have I given my life to God? And if so, how much? Just on Sundays? Just on some Sundays? Have I given my life to him when it's convenient? Most of the time, completely. Check one. Possessions. 
Does God have the ownership of the things in my life? Or do I just give him the leftovers? Or about half? I know a lot of people that would check this one. He has everything but my money. Or does he have everything? What about your spiritual gifts? Your grace gifts? Do you know what your, your gifts are? Yes or no? What is it that God has given you in that bag of talents that he's entrusted to you? And then, are you using them to God's glory? It's one thing to know what they are. It's another thing to be using them. I used to use them. I'm going to. Yes. How about the good news of the gospel? Do I let my light shine for God? My battery is dead. I keep it undimmed. Bright lights all the way. Uh, Linda and I are fans of the television show Survivor. And so I decided uh, I would, would uh, we've watched all, se- all the seasons of it, 40 seasons of Survivor. It's been on for over 20 years. And I decided yesterday that I'd go back to the beginning and start watching them all again. I figured it'll take me the rest of the year or longer. And in the second episode of the very first season of Survivor, there's a young man who is a youth pastor. And of course, the way they portray it on on the television episode is that he's driving everybody nuts talking about Jesus. (laughs) What what else would you expect from Hollywood? (laughs) But he made a powerful statement. He said, I'm not embarrassed to share my testimony with anybody. Not ever embarrassed of that. Bright lights all the way. Where are you? Do I let my light shine for Christ? Bright lights all the way. You know, as we work our way through Journey of the Soul, this little book I've encouraged you to to get and to read, we're talking about one of the stages of the Christ stages map that is a part of that. And, And it's a way to identify where we are with Christ, and how we're growing. And so this morning we're talking about responsibilities in ministry. That if we can identify some ways that we're living in the scratch and sharing this message, whatever way we're choosing to do it, we're in that responsibilities in ministry area at least. We may have moved beyond that, but we're at least there. We're at that place. And so this morning I'm encouraging us to make sure that we're reaching a level of maturity that moves us past our confidence in Christ, we've accepted him as our Savior, that we're we're moving beyond help and discipleship, that we can grow in our faith. We don't leave those two behind, we just keep adding to them. And that we've at least come to this place where I can say, here's how I'm living out my responsibility to share the message of Jesus 
with others by using the gifts that I've been given, the talents that are in the bag that Jesus gave me to hold. Great, great ideas. I love how the Galtiers describe these gifts. They call them joy gifts. I call them grace gifts. But I love their listing of joy gifts. And I just wanted to share it with you as maybe you haven't read it yet or maybe you're not reading it at all. That's okay. I won't, uh, I won't chastise you. But they talk about all these different gifts that might be in our bag of talents. There's the dream awakener. Dream awakeners like to start things. They start churches, they start movements, they start Bible studies in their neighborhoods. They're dream awakeners because they have this dream of other people interacting with God. Our daughter is a dream awakener. That gift is in her bag of, of talents. There's the truth teller, offering wisdom that's relevant to today. Maybe that's you. You just have a way of being able to take God's wisdom and, and phrase it in a way that it doesn't sound preachy, but you get the message across to people and you, you give them some wisdom about how they can live their life well for God. Then there's the includer. Boy, we all need includers in our lives. Includers who woo people into community with Jesus. T.J. Witherell is a great includer. He's just gifted there. There's the shepherd who really loves to care for and look after people's spiritual needs. Can I make a confession? I need more shepherds in my life because, to be honest with you, that's not one of my strongest gifts. I know all pastors are supposed to really be really strong in that one, I'm not. <laughs> I can do it. I enjoy caring for people. But it's not one of my biggest gifts in my bag. There's the teacher who can apply scripture to the daily life. I think that's one of my big ones. There's the servant who is just working in the background, not calling attention, but really works at meeting practical needs of people, and they do it in the name of Jesus so that through their touch, people begin to experience what the love of God is like because someone with skin on is loving them in Jesus' name. There's the encourager who's maximizing people's potential. Elizabeth Plants was a woman who did that for me many, many years ago. There's the investor. I've known some really good investors across my years. People who donate money to advance God's kingdom and they do it with love and joy. And, and God's just helped them make a lot of money sometimes and so they give a lot of money. There's the leader who guides people to follow Jesus. The healer giving mercy and prayer for the hurting. And all those gifts some of them might be in your bag of talents. That's not an inclusive list, so there might be some others. But as you look at that list, and it's not all on the screen at one time, but as you look at that list, 
Which one of those might be in your bag of talents? Or maybe there's two or three. But how are you using them? What are you doing with them? Is there tangible evidence that if Jesus were to come today, you could say, hey, you put this, Jesus, into my bag of talents, and, and here's what I've done to increase it, to multiply it, to bless the world with it. You know, I really think one of the reasons we're still on this scratch, this one thirty-second of an inch scratch in the light of eternity, one of the reasons is because God wants us to use these gifts, these talents, to make a better world. That's our call. To share the love of Christ in a way that allows the world to be better. Your world to be better. Whether your world is your house, your family, your set of cubicles at work, except people are working from home now. Your street. Whatever your world looks like, wherever you have influence, that you're to make your world better. And that you're to do everything you can to make sure that Jesus is in it. Not just your heart, but the world. Your world. Late last year, I read this quote, and I love it. I've probably already shared it with you before, and I, I promise you I'll share it again, because it just speaks. It's from Augustine of Hippo, St. Augustine. Hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage. Anger at the way things are, and courage to see that they do not remain as they are. As we look at our world today, it's easy for us to look around and say, uh, we're not happy with the world as it is. We can just stop right there and just be angry that the world isn't the way we would like it to be. Or we could do what Augustine said and let that anger be a righteous, holy anger that moves us to courage, to act, to leverage what's in our bag of talents to make the world a better place. The Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu said, not very often I quote Chinese philosophers in my sermon, but I am today. He said, if we don't change the direction we're going, we're likely to end up where we're headed. The reality is that most of us are waiting for somebody else to do something about the problems we see. We want change, but we hope that someone somewhere will do something to bring it about. And I am suggesting today that where you see in the world that you want change to make it a better place, that most likely God has put something in your bag of talents for you to use to make your world a better place. Put the talent to work. Tony Evans, great pastor, says, if you want a better world composed of better nations, 
inhabited by better states, filled with better countries, made, by, made up of better cities, comprised of better neighborhoods, illuminated by better churches, populated by better families, then you have to start by becoming a better person. The first step in that process is having the hope that you can. And so we use our gifts, our talents, to take the message of Jesus to the world so that we can have a better world. How do you do that? Well, first, what's in your bag? Figure it out. Put it to use. What's the talent that God has given you, or the five talents, or the ten talents? What, what are they? Put them to use. Get to, get to work helping people in Jesus' name. Share the gospel. Pray for others. Serve as a ministry leader. Lead by values. The values of Christ. Pick one of those. Follow through. The world can be a better place. It can be better if we take the talents God has given us, recognize our responsibility in ministry, and put them to work in whatever avenue God gives us to put them to work. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord, for today, for the chance to be together in this place to worship you. We thank you for this little parable. It's so simple, and yet it teaches us so much. Help us not to be content to take the talents, the gifts that you've given us, and hide them away, hoping that will satisfy you. But to take those gifts and apply them to our little scratch of time in eternity, to make the world that we live in today a better place, a more grace-filled place, a more Christ-like place. Help us, Lord. Help us not to be content to just sit on the sidelines and say someone else will do it. But let's use our gifts and our abilities, our talents, our treasures, to make the world a better place in Jesus' name. And we thank you.